Thanks so much, Johnny. Good morning, everybody. Morning. Great to be with you. As Johnny said, I'm Tom, worship pastor here. Look after the worship life of the church. Um, does anybody remember their work experience back in the day? Don't know if you did work experience uh, at school. Uh, work experience for me was a bit of a weird one. Uh, I have to say. Uh, I don't know about you, but at my school, um, if you didn't want to find somewhere for yourself for work experience or you couldn't find somewhere or whatever, um, you could just let them find somewhere for you. Uh, And that is what I did, mainly out of laziness. Um, It won't be too bad, I thought. Um, I should say as well, uh, I went to Belmore School, uh, which is now Upper Shirley High, uh, but I went there before it was nice. It's pretty rough, all boys school at the time, uniforms all black, guys would rack up detentions left and right, fights everywhere, Um, really fun place for a specky little muso Christian boy uh, to be, I fit right in. Anyway, uh, work experience, all the guys in my tutor group are like going off to be chefs and like bricklayers and a few of my music mates get um, work in music shops and all that kind of thing and where did I get? The women's shoe department at New Look. Come on, shout out to Kelly and the girls if you're watching for taking me under your wing. Thanks so much. You can imagine the sheer terror every time I would tell one of my classmates, oh yeah, women's shoe department. Um, Anyway, that was my introduction to the world of work. Um, And jokes aside, work is a really big deal. Studies show that the average person will spend 90,000 hours at work over a lifetime. That's basically like a third of your life on, based on like average life expectancies. A third of your life at work. And so that is why we're really excited to be starting this teaching series over the next three weeks, exploring what does it look like to follow the way of Jesus in our places of work. Because, you know, we talk a lot here about what it looks like to gather as the church. Sundays and worship nights and tables. and It's all brilliant stuff. But we believe that the rubber really hits the road when we scatter as the church out into the world, into workplaces and lives lived outside of these four walls. We believe that that is where God is calling us to be. And that is where we'll see a city transformed and renewed as ordinary followers of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, bring his transformational power to the places and spaces that they are in. That's ultimately why our jobs exist here as a staff team. We're not, um, I don't know what you might think, but we're not really here to get you to volunteer and come to events and do stuff here. All of that is great stuff. Please don't stop doing it. Um, But what we really care about is equipping the church to be the church wherever we are. So yes, our life here as a gathered community matters, but it should never eclipse or replace our commitment to our life out there as the scattered church you with me that's why we're so excited to speak into this area of work and how to steward that well so my job for today really is to lay the groundwork for this teaching series giving us a sort of overview theology of work um, and next week really excited to have Juliette Collinson who's leading worship this morning um, she works as a teacher she's going to be speaking next week on how to assign yourself as the chaplain of your workplace getting really practical really excited for that and then the week after that we're going to have almost sort of like a panel interview with various people from our community of what faith means in their spaces so really excited something a bit different for us um, but significant and I just want to say right at the top of this series 
I'm very aware that there are lots of different people in this room, in lots of different situations and environments when it comes to work. Some of us work nine to five, um, some of us freelancers, students um, maybe looking for work, maybe some of us who want to work but can't, um, full-time parents, retired people, you know, there's all sorts in the room. And really what I want to say is that our heart for this series is that there would be room for you to be inspired and equipped to live for Jesus in each and every one of those environments. Not to count yourself out because your job doesn't fit the standard nine to five pattern. If you're a full-time parent, this is absolutely still for you. If you're a student, absolutely still for you. And as we'll see, God has given us a unique calling and responsibility wherever we are to be kingdom builders, partnering with him in his work of renewal. Or maybe, um, maybe you're in a job, but you just hate it. You're not sure it's the right place for you. Or you're studying for something and you think, oh, am I going down the right path here? I want to say that I see you too. And I pray that this series will speak to you powerfully, maybe to re-envision or bring clarity or re- refresh you with excitement or maybe to help you dream and call you into something new. So all caveats aside, uh, as I say, my job for today is to look at some of the theology around work, to give us a baseline for what it is and why it matters. And really, we're going to do that through two lenses today, okay? Like two theological lenses. The first one is through the lens of creation, right? We heard Genesis 2 there, through the lens of creation. This is basically like the theology of the way things are, the created intent, the fundamental nature of what work is, right? It's kind of baseline level from creation. And then the second lens is the lens of the gospel. So if you've got that baseline understanding, what difference does Jesus make to our view of work? As followers of Jesus, how should we view our work? Does that make sense? So two kind of layers, two lenses to look at it through. So here we go. We'll dive in. Um, We heard it read earlier. Genesis 2 and the last verse, 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So here's the first thing from creation. Work is a good thing. Work is a good thing. This is Genesis chapter 2, right? It's like the second page of the Bible. God has just created everything, including us, and he places us in the garden. And what are we asked to do? Work it and take care of it. The creation that God has made in all of its complexity and beauty is an amazing thing, but it is also wild and untamed. You know, I like to think of the Garden of Eden not so much as like Kew Gardens, all nice and neat. Um, This is more like a kind of uninhabited forest and plants and vegetation and just life is bursting out everywhere. This is creation in its wildest sense. And so this wild garden needs gardeners. Enter humanity, called on the second page of the Bible to tend to creation, to tame the wild and chaotic potential of the earth and channel it into flourishing life. A place where plant life and animal life and human life can thrive. And a few verses on, And you see exactly that, this new humanity naming the animals and tending to the garden, bringing order. It's almost like God 
creates this world teeming with potential for flourishing and then invites humanity to rule with him and enable it to flourish and become all that it can be. Some of you may have heard the news over the last few days that the author and pastor Tim Keller has just died. Um, I quote Tim Keller three times in this talk and I wrote it a week ago uh, before knowing what would happen. And just if you haven't engaged with Tim Keller, go and do it. Read his books, listen to his sermons. Just unbelievable blessing to the church. And um, in a way, let this be my kind of yeah, honouring of him, the fact that I quote him three times and just so helpfully about work. Um, he says this, work is rearranging the raw material of God's creation in such a way that it helps the world in general and people in particular thrive and flourish. Great definition of work. That's what work is at its most foundational level. It's God-given, a good thing meant to enable life. And I want to say that is what your work is. Taking the raw material of creation and rearranging it in such a way that it enables life in big or small ways, right? If you're a barista, you are quite obviously taking the raw material of coffee and rearranging it in such a way that it can be enjoyed and bring life. If you're an accountant, you're working within a broader system that takes the raw material of people's resource and finance and you're rearranging it and bringing order and structure that supports life and flourishing in the world. If you're a parent, you are taking the raw material of human life itself, caring for and nurturing that life within the safety of a home that supports and encourages flourishing. Now insert your situation here. We are called to do this work of enabling flourishing in the world. That is the essence of what it is to work, and it's a core part of what it means to be human. It is a deeply good thing. And so as we start, I wonder if that's how you see what you do. Maybe just picture where you'll be tomorrow morning. How might you see that place as an opportunity to bring life and flourishing? And yet, our experience of work is not always good. Maybe you're feeling that even now as you think about Monday morning coming tomorrow. You're very welcome for the reminder. Um, because yes, work is a good thing, but it is also a broken thing. A broken thing. If you flip the page one more time, Genesis 3, we read this, Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. You will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground. See, God had set out the game plan, right? I've made this world. I've shared responsibility for it with you as humanity. Here's how you do it. Here's the game plan. And we ignored it. We thought that we knew better and so we decide we can run things our way. And through that decision, it's like the whole system breaks and work itself becomes hard. 
Rather than working with God's creation to enable flourishing, we're now working against it with its thorns and thistles and painful hard work as the ground itself pushes back against the tools. And we feel that keenly, at least I hope it's not me, not just me. It's exhausting. Work is hard. The responsibilities of human life are hard. Emails, man. Just endless emails and other people. So many other people. Why do I have to work with so many other people? Jokes aside, I wonder if you can see how this ancient story from the first few pages of the Bible describes exactly what it feels like to work as a human being. So much good. So much responsibility, fulfillment, calling, potential for releasing life into the world but also so much brokenness and strain and effort and hard work. You know, I think everybody feels this. Our culture definitely feels this. And I just want to say, I think that our culture responds to this in two different ways, okay, just before we move on. The first way, in response to the brokenness and pain of hard work, we lean too far into rest. We lean too far into rest. Our culture will tell us that we exist to eventually remove work from our lives. The aim is to retire as early as possible or to get enough money so that you don't need to work anymore. And we often think, wouldn't life be better if it was just endless holiday and the weekend never stopped? But that is not what Genesis says. We were made to work. Work is a good thing. The aim of your life is not to get to some glorious utopia where you don't have to work anymore. That is a misguided cultural reaction to the brokenness of work that forgets about our created responsibility. And actually, I think you can feel the untruth of it as well, right? If you've ever uh, taken a holiday that just seems to stretch on slightly too long, and your mind begins to shift back to the stuff that you actually feel passionate about and the stuff you want to do in the world. Too much rest is just as bad as too much work. Again, Keller, so helpful on this. The Bible does not say we should work one day and rest six, or that work and rest should be balanced evenly, but directs us to the opposite ratio. Leisure and pleasure are great goods, but we can only take so much of them. You're not meant for endless holiday. Don't believe the lie that your life would be better just lived with your feet up. And then the second way that our culture reacts um, to this is in exactly the opposite direction. We think that we can achieve utopia if we just work harder. Just work hard. If we push through the pain, the struggle, the tiredness, the exhaustion, just keep going because the goal is there just on the other side of more. More money, that'll sort it. If I get that next promotion, then it'll all be easier. And can you see how that's an equally unhelpful reaction in the opposite direction? It idolizes work as the solution and reduces us only to working creatures, forgetting that we're also meant to rest because God himself rested and so all of creation follows the same rhythm. If you've been around us for any length of time, you will have heard us talk about this six and one rhythm uh, of work and rest, this idea of Sabbath as that one day where we stop completely from any work. I'd highly recommend that you go back and engage with past teaching series. Um, You can find them on the website and um, wherever you get your podcasts, really good stuff. But if I can just add briefly here to that, 
I, um, I think it would be easy for us with this tension um, to think about a kind of work-rest balance and to see them as opposite ends of like a spectrum, right? So um, on one end, you have like completely useless idolization of rest that doesn't really achieve anything. And on the other end, you have like all-out back-breaking hard work that will drive you into the ground, right? And so then the temptation with that view is to try and find the middle sweet spot, right? But I want to suggest that is not really the way of Jesus. Because what I'm trying to lay out here is not a view of life where we walk some tepid middle ground, where we're neither working particularly hard or resting particularly well, where we're sort of doing both but not really achieving either in some kind of weird middle ground. The way of Jesus is more like a twin-engine jet plane where both engines of work and rest are firing full throttle, where we work hard with grit and determination to see the dreams and desires of God in our hearts come to life in the places he's put us, and where we also rest fully, deeply in the knowledge that we are more than our responsibilities. Jesus didn't say, I have come to give you a work-life balance. He said, I've come to give you life in all its fullness. And that is a radically, entirely other way where we work with all our might and we rest deeply in the six-in-one rhythm that's baked into creation. A Christian should be committed to both in all their fullness, hard work and deep rest. So is that how you're living your life? Are you firing on all cylinders? committed to rest, committed to doing what God's given you to do. How are we feeling? Still with me? Great. Time for lens two. Now we're really going. We're thinking like followers of Jesus now. Um, We've got a baseline understanding of what the Bible says about work at its core from creation. A good thing but a broken thing. So now let's ask what difference the gospel makes. Let's add that second lens on top. And just briefly here, I want to say that as a follower of Jesus, your work is first and foremost about worship. It's about worship. I'm the worship pastor, so I get to say that. Colossians 3, 23 to 24, it's in the New Testament. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Ultimately, however we express our given work, though we are, of course, serving the world around us, we are ultimately serving Jesus himself. Work is worship. Keller, again, work is not primarily a thing one does to live, but the thing one lives to do. It is or should be the full expression of the worker's faculties, the medium in which they offer themselves to God. When we work, when we step into the office or the kitchen or the studio or the nursery, our posture should be upward. God, have your way. Thank you for placing me here. Thank you for giving me these gifts and responsibilities. Before I worked for the church, um, I was a freelance musician, uh, touring around various places, playing for different artists and things. And, um, you know, before every show, um, I would try and remember to pray. Didn't always remember. 
but when I did, I would simply just say, God, thank you for creating music. Thank you that I get to do this. It was my simple prayer of worship to the God who created a world where I could enjoy what he'd called me to do. And that simple prayer would kind of set up the right posture for me for the rest of the show. And from there, it meant every note that I played was worship. You know, the crowd and the rest of the band had no idea, but there I was, worshipping away, using the gifts that God had given me to enable the flourishing of everybody else in the room. Is that how you see your work? How could you bring that posture of worship into your world? So firstly, work's about worship. Secondly, work is about formation. It's about formation. You know, we, um, we talk a lot about formation here, becoming like Jesus, we might say. Um, and sometimes if we're not careful, we can make it seem like formation only happens here at Chapel Road or only at church things. We come to church to be taught how to be like Jesus, right? Or we get into worship to be changed by him. We pray for one another to spur one another on to, to live lives like him. And all of that is true and necessary and I'm all about it. It's like my job now. Um, but... I hinted at it right at the start. The rubber really hits the road out there, even with your formation. We become like Jesus out there in the everyday decisions and choices that we make. How will I respond to that colleague? How will I approach this stressful meeting? How will I teach my kid that it was wrong to throw their sister's Mulan doll out of the car window? That was me. The point is, formation is not passive. It's not something that happens to you at church events. Something that's lived out, worked out. The Bible says that Jesus himself grew in wisdom and stature. How? By living as a real person in the world, making godly decisions and forming godly habits and patterns of behavior. Your work has an incredible capacity to form you into the person that God wants you to be in the everyday interactions and choices. And so yes, keep praying here and asking God to change you, but maybe add that to your pre-work prayer as well before the meeting, before you talk to that client, before you go for that coffee. Holy Spirit, make me more like Jesus. Lord, what would you say here? How would you approach this? And work out your formation with him in the place that he's called you to. So worship, formation, and lastly, work is about mission. Work is about mission. Juliet's going to talk a lot more practically what, what this looks like next week. Um, but I wanted to finish here because it links right back with where we started. We saw at the beginning, God created a good world and he put people in it to do the good work of caring for it and making it flourish. And I want to say, God is still putting people in the world for that purpose. He's put you in the world for that purpose, specifically you. Because that has always been his mission, to bring life and abundance and joy to the world. Even in its brokenness, God remains committed to seeing his creation renewed. He remains committed to seeing humanity thrive. And he's been working since the beginning to see that happen. That is the mission of God today. And he's inviting you to play your part in it, wherever you are, whatever he's placed in your hands. 
the people he's given you to care for and lead, the raw materials that he's given you. And so will you join him in the mission to see the renewal of all things? So we set out today to ask the question, why does work matter? And you know, even in just those three things that we've just looked at there, worship, formation, and mission, well, that's kind of like everything. That's like the whole Christian life in three words. That's what it is to follow Jesus, worship, formation, mission. That's what it's all about. And so as we close, work is not just something you do while you wait for the real stuff out the weekend. It's not just the part of your life that earns you money. It's not something to try and get out of. It's not just a second life where you can leave Jesus at the door. Work is good. And it's broken. It's worship and it's formation and it's mission. There is work to be done. Would you stand and pray with me? Just encourage you just as we shift our kind of mode now into response to just stay attentive, stay kind of locked in, eyes fixed on Jesus. Lord, thank you for this good world that you've made. For the calling that you've given each of us as human beings to care for it and to enable it to flourish and the people in it to flourish. And Lord, I pray that you help us to navigate it in its brokenness. To fire on all cylinders, to work hard at the things you've given us to do and to rest well knowing that we are more than our work. Lord, make us worshippers. In all of life, not just here when we sing. Make us worshippers. Change us to become more like you in the decisions that we make, the way that we speak. Help us to walk with you and to be shaped into your image as we do that. And will we partner with you in your mission to renew all things, to bring your kingdom here in Southampton as it is in heaven. Not just in great church services and events, but in the places and spaces you've called us to be. Would your kingdom come? In Jesus' name, amen.